This is episode 195 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And on today's episode, we're going to be going through postpartum recovery tips for daily movements after both a vaginal or a cesarean birth. So definitely, if you've been with us for a while, you've heard us do a number of episodes on different topics around postpartum recovery. And I realized we hadn't done one specifically about daily movements. So we're going to be talking about like lifting the car seat, getting in and out of bed. So particular movements that a lot of people will have to do postpartum And we want to give you tips and strategies to make them more comfortable. Um, And it can be helpful too, because Jess has gone through two cesarean births. I've gone through two vaginal births. And then we both work with clients who've had vaginal cesarean births. So I feel like we have a lot of um, strategies that we've seen and have felt ourselves be helpful. And we want to pass those on to you. So the first one we're going to start with is getting in and out of bed and I think it's helpful. We'll talk about a particular strategy. And then also additionally, if you've had a cesarean birth, this can be extra challenging because oftentimes if we don't move in a certain way, we may end up using our abdominal muscles more. And right after a cesarean birth, that is not comfortable and is really challenging to do. So I was curious, Jess, before your first one, because you were working with this population as well. Had you taught your clients about getting in and out of bed after a cesarean birth, or was it until you went through your own experience that you found some other strategies? Yeah, we definitely had been going over things like this, getting in and out of bed. Yes. Sideline using the upper body strength as much as possible, propping up with pillows, but my goodness, until I actually felt that in my own body, I just... It just, I couldn't have even imagined what that was really like. Yeah, it was really a shocking experience for me after that first C-section to feel just how, how wild that was on, you know, not even just my abdominal wall, but the feeling on my whole body after that surgery. Mm -hmm. And actually, why don't we start with, do you want to go through after a cesarean birth, what you found to be the best way to get in and out of bed? Yes, for sure. Let me take myself back even three years ago to the last one. Let's go with getting in to bed. So what I found to be most helpful was standing at the side, the edge of the bed, and then you're going to sit 
back onto it. So that's the position that I'm in. So as you go to sit back, make sure that you have something sturdy or someone sturdy to help you sit back onto the bed into that, you know, like mini half squat, because that in itself is going to feel very challenging. And there for sure will be, you know, some discomfort and pain there. So grab onto someone or something sturdy, lower yourself down. This is a place where you can use your breath to help you along. So you might want to just remind yourself to keep breathing, or maybe it's that you're going to exhale all the way down as you go to sit, play with this. You're going to have some exposure to it. So see what feels best for you. All right, so once you are seated on the bed or the chair, let's go with the bed, you're going to put the arm to the side, like say by the pillow. So you're kind of reaching up slightly, 45 degree angle on that arm that's reaching down. You're going to use a lot of upper body strength to help lower you into a side lying position. So reach the arm out lie down slightly onto that arm and then allow the other arm to come across and to support you like in front of the belly on the bed too. And see if, again, if you don't have anyone to then help you get onto the bed, if you can just lower yourself down as slowly as you're able to onto the pillows, onto the bed, it is going to be really helpful if you are propped up on some type of angle as you go to lie down into that sideline position. I've talked about it a ton of times on here, but after my first C-section, this was for sure the most uncomfortable part for me was trying to be comfortable getting in and out of bed. The second time around, I actually rented a hospital bed for the first three weeks postpartum. And it was an absolute lifesaver because I could keep the bed propped up on quite a bit of an angle. And the bed, the hospital bed has those rails, you know, all alongside it. So it could really grab onto something sturdy and use my upper body strength to help me get down and get back up. So once you are side lying, you can go ahead and slowly begin to bring yourself onto the back if that's the position you're moving into. So it might be helpful if you just imagine yourself lying on your side, taking the top knee up, opening, putting that foot down flat, and then again, using your breath, using someone or something to help you kind of push yourself over to the back using your other knee to then pull in and across. So you're in kind of a glute bridge position on your back once you get there. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think it's super helpful to go through because that's what I find one of the biggest challenges that clients have. And it's things we take for granted, right? Like getting in and out of bed. I think one part that prepares people a little bit is in pregnancy. By the end, it can be challenging. So using a very similar sitting at the edge, using your arms to bring you down and bringing your legs up at the same time and the same thing to get out of bed. And I would say the same postpartum after vaginal birth would be very similar. Um, It may not be as challenging because you could use some of your abdominal muscles coming down and coming up. 
which will feel a bit different than after a cesarean, but same idea of sit at the edge, take it slow, especially those first few weeks, upper body comes down, legs go up at the same time. And then the same thing to get back up, go to your side, push up with your arms and your legs come down at the same time. I thought that would be helpful. Did you ever use a pillow, like hug a pillow against your scar when you were like trying to turn in bed postpartum? I don't remember that I did, to be honest with you. I feel like I just needed my arm strength so much that maybe, yeah, like maybe I was using them a ton physically and not holding something with them. Gotcha. I think those are great tips. Um, And again, if you're listening to this in pregnancy, it's just helpful to know this ahead of time. So another kind of common thing that may come up is coughing and sneezing. And in terms of, we'll talk about two different strategies. So one is because if you do cough or sneeze after cesarean, there is pressure in the abdomen. And oftentimes people find that that can be painful around the scar, at least initially with the healing. So I'll often talk to clients about, again, whether it's hugging a pillow, if something is close by hugging a blanket, and then some people even just like kind of cup their hands and have it over top of whatever they're wearing and just kind of add a little pressure and support to their scar, which can often dampen um, that sensation, like that pain or soreness. What did you find, Jess? Yeah, I think this is a really, really helpful tip because it can feel so scary too. Like you're somehow going to blow out all the stitches or staples that are within that scar and uh, don't worry it is very very strong but yeah that pressure against it can feel really supportive and what I also found so wild after both of my c-sections was you know I kind of expected that the lower like the very lower belly around the pubic symphysis would be sore because that's where the incision was but wow, my whole abdominal wall was very sore for quite a long time. So, you know, up high past the belly button and into the rib cage. So yeah, just know that you might feel some stuff around that whole region, not just over the scar. Yeah, no, it's so true. Actually, a client I just saw this week, very early post cesarean, and she was surprised too that it's almost like it's this bruised feeling. That I find a lot of clients yes. have, like their whole abdomen, it, it isn't bruised when you look at it, but it's, that's the sensation a lot of people feel, um, which can change. And we do a lot about desensitizing, there can be numbness, there's lots of different sensations, but to know that can be a really common feeling. And then I wanted to go into also coughing and sneezing, and this may be more so after a vaginal birth. Um, I know it can be common to feel, like I said, especially the early postpartum that you don't have this pelvic floor support or the coordination that maybe you did previously. So it kind of can feel like a lot of pressure. And then for some people, you may feel leaking with it. So one of the, the strategies we've talked about on a few different episodes, but this idea, we want to get the pelvic floor timing to be sooner. So just before you cough or sneeze, But then also we want to try to take pressure off the top of your pelvic floor. So kind of lessen the pressure, the interabdominal pressure on the pelvic floor. So a way you can do this is if you're standing when this is happening, you do a bit of that ribs over pelvis. So a bit of that ski jump lean forward. 
you're going to quickly try to, if you can think of your pelvic floor, so whether it's like picking up a blueberry vaginally and anally or stop pee and gas, whatever cue, if you had done it in pregnancy had worked for you, use the same cue. And then when you cough or sneeze, try to cough or sneeze upwards up and out instead of down. And I know it can be intuitively, we think we kind of want to cover and cough down, but again, you'll feel there's a change in pressure. So that's more pressure down. So if you do that little bit of a lean forward, squeeze and lift your pelvic floor and cough and sneeze up and out, oftentimes people will feel way less pressure and then you may not leak with it either. If it happens when you're sitting, you can do do just a little bit of a lean forward while you sit and do the same strategy engage your pelvic floor, cough and sneeze up and out. So that's what I find. And this is great in pregnancy too, or any time in life, but I thought it'd be helpful to bring up postpartum so that you were covered, whether you've had a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth. I'll just say one Mm -hmm. thing on the cough and sneeze is to actually let it out because I know that especially cesarean recovery, it can feel so scary to actually let a big sneeze out because you're so scared of the sensation of the pain, but it actually can feel a lot better to just let it out instead of trying to like muffle it. You'll probably actually feel more in your lower abdominal region and your pelvic floor when you try to make it like small and quiet versus actually just getting the whole thing out. That's such a good point, Jess. And I fully agree with that. You do want to let it out. And just now you've got some strategies to help lessen the pressure in abdomen and pelvic floor. So next, I want to go into lifting the car seat. I always talk about with clients too, like in pregnancy, I want people to feel strong, not just for pregnancy, but for this postpartum. Because we often go and we get our car seat. And I know for my husband, and I, we were like, we got the lightest car seat and all the stuff, but then you put a baby in it. It is not light anymore. Like doesn't matter what car seat it is. So like, it's worth doing some strength training in pregnancy to prepare you for, for postpartum, but with lifting the car seat. So one strategy, Jess and I always talk about is you don't necessarily have to have a specific posture. Some people get told you have to, you know, bend at the hips, bend at the knees, neutral spine, And when you become postpartum, you will learn there is a lot of awkward lifting as a parent. So you don't need to do that quote unquote perfect posture. It's not realistic and you really don't need to do it to lessen your symptoms. The one thing that I do find helpful is using your exhale when you're lifting the car seat. If you're pregnant right now, you can even practice this ahead of time. If you have a car seat at home is you want to practice lifting it in different ways, see what feels comfortable, but in general, variety is key anyways. So try lifting it with either arm or lift it so that it's in like the crook of your elbow and other times carry it like your arm is long and you're holding it at your side or scooping it up and holding it with both hands. So I find a big help postpartum is lift it in different ways, you know, squat to lift it up do almost like a deadlift kind of lift to lift it up, lunge to lift it up, do it in all different ways, find what feels comfortable and using your exhale can just make, I find such a difference. I, clients are always surprised. They kind of give me this look of like, 
it was that, that made the difference. And I'm like, it really helps because you can use this when you're lifting baby out of the crib or bassinet or off the floor. We like to make life as easy as possible. And when we discovered like the exhale can make such a big difference, I was really excited about that because it made my life easier and it makes clients' life easier. So those would be my tips for lifting the car seat. What about you, Jess? Yes. Love all of those. I will co-sign the exhale. Super helpful for me postpartum. And that exhale breath, there's just something that feels really powerful in your body about it. And, you know, if you're exercising now, if you've had some experience with that in strength training, you might have already felt that you use that exhale breath often to help you feel more powerful to stand up faster from the bottom of a squat or a deadlift, what have you. So yeah, you can use that same intention, exhale breath to help you kind of, you know, harness that strength to, to lift that car seat. I was just thinking though, about remember like infant car seats and having like a 10 month old, a 12 month old carrying around that car seat. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we don't do that now. Oh gosh. Did your kids stay in it for that long? Were they? I yeah, think, I think I they think did. did. Yeah. Mine were out. I want to say nine months by nine months. They were both so long. And technically, that's what I don't get. With infant car seats, you can keep them in until they're like 32 pounds. And I'm like, I don't know anyone (laughs) who keeps their child in it until they're 32 pounds. But yeah, my kids were so tall. But I was just thinking one other tip I'd say for the car seat to make it easier is if you can put the empty car seat up on your couch up on the kitchen table, obviously make sure it's safe and that it's sturdy in those areas. Or like if if it clicks into your stroller, click it into your stroller first and then put the baby in. So then you're not necessarily having to lift the car seat and the baby from the floor, especially at the start, the higher they can be, the easier it is on your body. So I was just thinking that's another common tip that uh, I often share. So let's go into baby wearing in terms of positioning that can be helpful. The thing is I find with baby wearing it, you can't always adjust your posture with the different types of baby wearing. So if you have a sling or a wrap, it can be a little harder to adjust. Whereas if you have a structured carrier, I find you can get the baby in, get them pretty secure. And just before you tighten the very last bit of the structured carrier, then you can go into that kind of ski jump ribs over pelvis position and then tighten it. Because what I find sometimes with baby wearing is we get the baby secure, but then we're leaning back. And so for you to be upright or a little bit forward, which can often be more comfortable for us, then the baby is not as secure. Just something to keep in mind when you are getting them in whatever type of baby wearing item you're using If you can see about being able to have them be secure and you be a little bit more upright or a little bit forward can just often feel better. I find for the low back. What did you find Jess? Did you end up baby wearing either kids or? Yes, I did some baby wearing with both kids tested a few different things. Like you were saying a more structured carrier, like a Ergo or a Tula ring sling, we were just talking about this too with our group mentorship students. And basically what I was saying is what we were talking about with the lifting the car seat and what you were saying with do it in a variety of ways. 
That's what we were saying with baby wearing too, because it can be a thing that feels tough on people's bodies. So just know that if it is feeling hard for you or you're feeling achy or sore, you're not alone. This is a really common thing for a lot of people, especially to feel like you feel kind of achy in your low back and maybe your pelvic floor feels a bit bulgy. So for sure, a common experience. And when we try to do it in a variety of ways, when we have babies on our bodies to just put your body in different positions. So standing sometimes, seated other times, standing with one foot raised up onto a stool, switch to the other side, flex your spine, rotate your spine, stand up tall. All of that stuff can be super helpful in feeling like you can get through and you're okay. Because I know for some people that baby wearing is absolutely going to be essential for them to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And I think with that too, I love the variety and another tip with that, because I know I have a number of clients who, and I found my kids too, love to be on the move or they wanted me to be on the move all the time if I was holding them or baby wearing. So one way that can be helpful too, is if you had an exercise ball or birth ball that you maybe used in pregnancy or labor definitely keep it around postpartum and see if you can baby wear sitting on the ball and whether it's like bouncing on the ball or swaying side to side or rolling front to back to kind of mimic that movement if you were up and moving, but then it actually is a bit of a break for your back. So baby is still being worn. They're still close to you, but finding ways to get movement in that also gives your body a bit of a break can be helpful. And then next we wanted to go into, this is particularly if you are breastfeeding, some people don't get shown different positions, or maybe you've been shown different positions, but all in sitting. And I started doing this more with my first, I think Pippa was maybe around six weeks. Um, So she had a bit more head control is a bit easier to do. And then with Jack, I started doing it as soon as I could is sideline to feed because it often allows, again, it gives your body a bit of a break, but especially postpartum, it gives your pelvic floor a break being horizontal. So that is something I find can be helpful, but I know it's, it can be challenging when they're very, very newborn and don't have a lot of head control being in that sideline position. You may need to prop up whether it's your breast or propping the baby up in a certain position so that their alignment is a bit easier to latch. That's what I found. I know for me, it was really helpful. I've had a lot of clients once they were able to figure it out, sideline was really helpful for giving their pelvic floor a break. Yeah, this is such a good one. It can be so relieving hit a few YouTube videos on this to actually get the positioning of it and go for it. Just give it a try. We were, Theo was such a fussy little breastfeeder that this did not work out well with him, but it did with steel and yeah, take the rest positions, however you can get them. And then one of the other movements we wanted to go over was walking. Walking is a movement that I find most people don't get any guidance on early postpartum. It's like people get told like, don't do any exercise for six weeks, but you can walk. And it's like this idea that Mm -hmm. like walk really isn't exercise. 
which it is. (laughs) And then I often I'll talk to people in my clients in pregnancy about this. So they're aware postpartum, what could be helpful. So if we go back to thinking like, what is the role of the pelvic floor, all the jobs that it, it helps you with. And then if you think after giving birth, and this is both vaginal or cesarean birth, when you're standing, your pelvic floor has to do a lot more work because it's working against gravity, right? Whether it's supporting our pelvic organs, our back, our pelvis, like helping with continence. So the idea of just being like, walk as much as you want isn't the most helpful because your pelvic floor, especially early postpartum, is going to fatigue a lot sooner than it did before. Even if you had a vaginal birth, you had zero stitches, it still had a stretch. And then also with the cesarean birth, depending, right? Like maybe you were pushing for a long period of time and then had a cesarean birth or went through a period of labor. And even if you didn't, the pelvic floor still can be affected from pregnancy. I often tell clients um, ahead of time, if you can, that first week resting horizontally as much as you can, which I know can be more challenging if you have other little ones, but even again, talking to your partner ahead of time, any other supports you can have so that you can really get that rest, which is great for you and for baby that first week. And then even kind of a guideline of like five minutes, like a five minute walk second week, and then see how that feels during and after. And then you could add on another five minutes the week after that. So giving you guidance of adding on five minutes a week in terms of walks can be a good way just to think about it and kind of keep you from pushing it too much, even if you feel great. Because I tell clients, like, sometimes you might be surprised yourself and feel better than you thought. And then it's easy to kind of push past your body's threshold and then almost feel like you go backwards because you're like, I felt great. So I went for this 30 minute walk and I was like a week postpartum. And then people are like, oh, but now I'm feeling, I'm either feeling pain or I'm feeling incontinence or bulgy or like anything, right? So it's better to take those slow and steady steps initially. In the long run, it can feel worth it doing it that way versus kind of pushing too quickly. Also notice like how much are you on your feet at home? Um, especially if you have other little ones. So you may be thinking like, oh, I didn't go for a walk today. But then if you look at your day and you're like, well, I was actually on my feet most of the day between the baby and the other little ones. So maybe going for that walk at the end of the day may not be worth it because you've been on your feet all day. It could be better to, whether it's like a rehab, restorative type exercise, we're going to talk about uh, calves on a stool, which is a great relaxation exercise, like giving your pelvic floor a break at that point as well. So thought it'd be helpful just to talk about walking and then an idea behind why taking it slow and steady with walking is actually worth it for the pelvic floor. And then also I find cesarean too, because I know Jess, you talked about as well, oftentimes even just standing upright can take a while after a cesarean. Um, It can feel really tight or that pulling sensation. So if you think of like being able to go for a walk, you even first want to work on like, how can I gradually feel like I can stand a little bit taller So how did you find walking after steel, but then also after Theo? This is the hill I will die on, which is (laughs) talking about walking postpartum because it absolutely blows my mind. It's exactly what you said. It's like walking is an exercise. What? This makes no 
sense, but it is the advice most people are given postpartum. Yeah, I found it so shocking to me postpartum both times around that people would be going for walks after having a cesarean section, after doing the, you know, so much of the effort that goes into caring for yourself, caring for a newborn. Like it's just, it's such exhausting work trying to recover and trying to live your life that walking was for sure the last thing that I had any energy for. And I, at those points in my life was doing a lot of leisurely walking and really would have wanted to, but it was not a thing that felt good on my body whatsoever. I remember going for my first like quote unquote walk after Steele was born. So it was three weeks post C-section. And I think that walk was maybe 10 minutes total. And I remember for both of them, maybe walking like 30 minutes in a row by the time I was 12 weeks or three months postpartum and building up really slowly over that amount of time. You know, and I hear people talking about how they're going for 30, 45 minute walks by the time they're three, four weeks postpartum. And that can be fine for some people. But what I just want people to hear is that it also is really common for that not to feel fine because like Anita was saying, exercise is walking. It is effort. It takes a significant amount of energy. And I find too, I mean, it kind of depends what time of year you're giving birth. So you may not decide to do this next tip in the middle of winter if you live in Canada. Um, (laughs) But I find part of getting out for a walk, especially postpartum, has to do with getting fresh air and being outside. So I'll talk to clients if it's in the spring, summer, fall months, like especially early postpartum. Do you have an area outside that you can even set up that's got shade to cover that you could even go out for like a little bit by yourself, or if you and baby are out, that you can sit outside and get the fresh air and be outdoors, but yet not feeling like you have to go for this walk in order to be outdoors. Yeah. So that I find is great. But again, middle of winter, probably not going to want to do that. But in the other months, it can definitely be really helpful. So I think it's good, definitely good to bring up the walking And then this last part, which isn't a daily movement, but it's a relaxation posture that anytime I do this with clients in the clinic, they ask if they can just stay there for the rest of the appointment because it's so comfortable. (laughs) Um, So this one's called calves on a stool. And basically you would be lying down on your back, usually on the floor, and you would bring your legs up. So you could do it, let's say lying down with your head away from the couch, but you're facing the couch, you would lift your legs. So your hips and knees are at 90 degrees and your calves are resting on the couch seat. Even just going into this position, if you're home right now, I highly suggest trying this while you're listening. It's a very comfortable. This is also a great position. If you get period cramps, it's a great position, even in pregnancy. But again, it really depends if you're comfortable on your back and only being there for a couple of minutes, if it's in pregnancy, But if you feel heaviness, you know, uh, vulvar varicosities, prolapse type symptoms, just fatigue in the pelvic floor, this really gives 
the pelvic floor a break feels great. And then you can also even add a pillow under your pelvis or under your hips to elevate the hips a bit. And yeah, it can feel great. And then also what you can do too. So again, with period cramps or postpartum is you can even put a heat pad on your abdomen. The whole thing feels amazing and you can stay there as long as you want. So people often ask like how long? And I'm like, you could tell your partner, your physio said you need to stay here for 20 minutes and you need to be by yourself. <laughs> like you could totally tell them that because basically as long as you can stay there is great. Even if it's five minutes, it's totally worth it. I mean, any point of the day can be great. End of day is good, but also even think about midday to give your body that break middle of the day, getting your legs up can be fantastic. And then another tip with this, if you have toddlers or other little kids around how you can get them involved. Cause some people it's like, well, the baby is on the floor. So you could go next to the baby. And then I'm like, just bring your toddler over. You can get them in the same position, which they think is really like different. And you can read a book in that position. So you're kind of reading it almost upside down. So lots of different creative ways you can fit this in and it can just feel really great post for any time in life. But this is a key strategy postpartum to again, give your back a break and your pelvic floor a break. I love it. That is one of the most relieving positions for me. Awesome. So yeah. So we hope you found that helpful learning all those different strategies. So getting in and out of bed, coughing and sneezing, lifting the car seat, baby wearing, breastfeeding positions, walking guidelines, and then that last relaxation strategy. You can always find us on Instagram. We love hearing from you at Two Birth and Beyond podcast. Like, let us know which one of these you're planning to try. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 